We're learning in the Maral, the mission of Shmaya, which tells us the Hovis of Melacha, Usnaz Arabonus. Well, the Svad and the Rosh was three separate statements. The Hovis of Melacha is to love the activity which one does for oneself. And we saw, Maral explained, that means that a person is self sufficient, he isn't reliant on others. Usnaz Arabonus, Arabonus is authority. When a person takes advantage of that authority to need others or to make others do things for them. We already saw the first level he said that for a Talmud Chacham to use his Torah as a way to get advantage as Chilul Hashem. But just generally he talks about authority as the ones who are going to expect to be served and a person should distance himself from that. And the last point is about the the Roshas. The Roshas meant the Roman uh, government. And by them, don't even become known to them, they shouldn't even know who you are. Uh, that's how far a person should distance himself from them. And the morale quotes the mission later on Prikavis, and that is that the nature of the government is if they have anything to do with the person, it's only for their own advantage. Therefore, it's not that they're looking to help people, on the contrary. They're looking to find ways that they can take from people. I'm going back to where the morale explains in sad. And he explains, A person should hate being in a position of authority. If a person thinks that I'm considered a lack of my own covet to have to do things for myself, I want to be taken care of, I want to be served. So the morale is number one. The fact that a person re- requires others to help them is a lack of covet. And number two, uh, the fact that a person is in a position of Rabbanus, in other words, of authority, sets them up for more errors. And being in a situation where a person has to uh, take care of themselves, saves them from a error. This could be on a number of levels. It could be the activity keeps them busy, and the inactivity which comes from having others to work for one is a fertile breeding ground for Avera. It could be the difference of the the Averas which come from a sense of gaiva or a sense of pride in oneself. Or, in the last point, and he's going to say that, is it could be that being in authority makes a person responsible for those who are under them. And then I'm not just responsible for what I do or don't do, but I also take responsibility for what I was able to prevent or I should have brought about by utilizing the authority that I have correctly. And therefore looking for authority is really taking extra khais, which is not always advisable for a person to do. That's what he says. Being in control brings about a number of khatoim, a number of mistakes, a number of pitfalls. And also, that now makes me responsible for any hate of the rabbim which I was in a position to avoid or to prevent by being in charge. So then I'm taking a Christ for them as well. So that's why a person should avoid Sarah both on both points. Number one, uh, the benefit of others who are going to serve you isn't necessarily a benefit. And number two, it comes with its, what the Ralph said so far, is that it comes with its own mechshodas as well. It comes with its own responsibility and it comes with the same danger that it itself can lead a person to make mistakes and it also makes the person responsible for the mistakes of all the people who are under his control. And the third point we said, which is Valtis Vada the Roshas, 
When it comes to the governing authority, a person should distance himself so much they don't even know who he is. And the reason for that, it will only be bad for a person. It's never going to be good for them to have an end, so to speak, with the political powers. Was that the reason? Because the Rishos is looking for things which help it. In other words, it's bad for itself, not necessarily it's beneficial for others. But to look for the benefit of the person who who is in contact with the Rishos, the Rishos doesn't connect to people. It's na- the nature of the authority that has to distance itself from people, and therefore, they're not going to look to help people. And that's what it, the Mishnah means when it says that the interaction that it has with people is only for itself. It can't be that the authority of government will look to help people for them, because if they would do that, then they wouldn't be separate from everyone else. But that can't be. Authority by nature wants to set itself on a pedestal apart from everybody else and separate from everyone else. And therefore, there won't be any connection between it and everyone else. And therefore, we say the Rishus doesn't look to come close to people for their benefit. That would be against its nature of being an authority. That it will, what's good for itself, it will help, it will connect to people. And therefore, a person shouldn't have any contact with the government. You won't, you're not going to gain anything from that. Okay, tomorrow's made it very clear. Let's just add an explanation. And the explanation let's talk about is how do people interact with other people. So we have a number of options. The one option is a relationship between two people, which means there's a certain give and take between them. In other words, there's a certain amount that one takes and a certain amount one gives. And the more a person's willing to trade, to share, to be involved, the more a relationship is going to build. And therefore we're talking about a relationship between friends, between family, between equals. So then of course, what builds that relationship and cements it is how much contact, how much give and take, how much mutual benefit there is in such a relationship. But, that's only the first level. There's also a relationship which is built on an interaction between people when there's meant to be a distance. So it's meant to be a relationship between people who are not equals, who are not friends, who are not uh, contemporaries. And if that's the case, there's two options of how that can happen. If it makes for an equal relationship, a friendship, is the equal give and take of each party to the relationship. So if we're trying to create a relationship between non-equals, which means it's not going to be an equal give and take situation, there are two ways to do that. The one way is to build it in a way where I'm willing to give more than I'm willing to take. And if I'm willing to give and not take, so then the relationship isn't going to be of equals because the dynamic is going to be I'm always giving or primarily giving and the other person's primarily taking. So that sets me up as a giver and them as a taker. And then that's not a necessarily equal relationship. It's a relationship based on a giver 
and recipient relationship. That's the relationship between parents and children. They're not meant to be equals, they're meant to be friends. But there is a relationship, and that's based on the fact that the parents can give and the children can take. Now, of course, children can try and help their parents too, and of course, uh, that's the right thing for them to try and show us the chorus at all by, by reciprocating what they can. But the dynamic of the relationship is such, and that is what makes the separation between them is that you're going to take and you're going to give. That's one option. The other option of how we can have an interaction between two people which isn't going to create an equal relationship is exactly the opposite. And that is in a relationship where I'm only willing to take from you, I'm not willing to give you. And then uh, the, the dynamic relationship is going to be so if it would be that I want to take from you as a favor, I'm begging from you, I want to give back, so then I'm lowering myself to you to make a relationship where you're above me and you're giving to me and I'm, I can only take and I can't respond. But if there would be a different kind of relationship, and that would be in a case where if there would be a different kind of relationship, and that is that it wouldn't be that the person who's taking is begging or feels that they're the, the, like the Oni, the poor one who has to ask for favors, rather they're insisting, yet because of our power, because of whatever we are, that's why you have to give us. Okay, so then it's what's making a situation is, they force other people to give them. But, if they would reciprocate, then that's going to make a regular give and take. And therefore, the dynamic of such a relationship has to be, that we, because we have power, we're going to force you to give us, and in a way which doesn't obligate us to give you back. If we felt obligated to give back what we took, then we'd have an equal relationship. Over here, what makes the relationship non-equal is the fact that I'm willing to take and I'm expecting you to give me, I can even force you to give me, and don't expect me to reciprocate in kind. The difference between the two is that the first relationship of the person who is willing to give and is not willing to take, and that sets them apart because they're going to be the giver, is really the best example of Avraham Avinu. On the one hand, Avraham Avinu was willing to give everybody. Avraham Avinu is the paragon of giving, of chesed, but he wasn't giving as an equal. He wasn't giving that, no, I'm giving you and give me back and we'll be friends. On the contrary, we see by Avraham Avinu, a Hanhaga, that he was willing to give and tremendous amounts, but he wasn't willing to take. And in fact, it goes so far that even things that he really deserved, even things which really would have been or should have been his, but if the result of him taking them was that people would think, we've given something to Avraham, that in itself was sufficient reason for Avram not to take it. And of course, the example I'm talking about is the king of Stock. Avram went to battle to fight the four kings who had despoiled Stom and neighboring cities. Avram won the battle. By rules of warfare, that means that all the spoils of the kingships which had been vanquished belonged to Avram. And therefore, Avram would have been fully in his rights, halakhically, morally, whatever you want to say, in taking all the spoils of all the four kings, of all the five kingdoms of Stom and its neighboring cities for himself. He won it in battle and belonged to it. And yet, so much so that it was, he would have been right that even the king of Stom, who we know was maybe uh, the person who most embodied the corrupt lifestyle of Stom, and uh, we know that the lifestyle of Stom was not to give anything which one didn't have to, even the king of Stom had to admit that Avram would be completely within his rights by taking all the wealth of Stom. And he says it. He says, The wealth is all yours. In other words, even as pervert a person as the king of Stom was, he couldn't think of a rational reason 
why he had a reason to claim back the money and the wealth of stuff. It belongs to Avram without a shadow of doubt. And nevertheless, Avram returns everything to him. He says himself to the last shoelace, to the last thread. And the reason should be, Not that that would be the case. The king of Stom didn't willingly give a thing to Avram. And it wasn't because of him that Avram became wealthy. But if there would be such a possibility that the king would think, I made Avram wealthy, and that in some way he would feel that Avram was beholden to him for that, and then Avram said, rather not take it. Take it for yourself. And he returns all the wealth of Stom. So Avram is the epitome of the person who is willing to give and not to take. And exactly the opposite of that, and the reason why Avram did that, is because that way people looked after him. As I said to him, the seer that came to like a prince of Hashem in our midst, we respect you. And that enabled Avram to be in a position to teach them. Now the exact opposite of Avram is the building relationship, which is not a relationship of equals, it doesn't have a give and take, but in the opposite direction. And that is, I'm going to force you to give me and not give you back. Because if forcing you to give me is now obligates me to, to return to you, then we've created a reciprocal relationship. And the only way to create a non-reciprocal relationship in the other direction is that I'm, I'm making a situation where you have to give me and not get anything in return. And that's what he calls the Rishos. The Rishos, which is the government, had a, that's the way they set the system up. And that was, they, didn't, they wanted to separate them from everybody else. They didn't want people to think of themselves as the equals and the friends of the government. No, we want to be set as being apart, as being different, and therefore being not obligated to reciprocate. But on the other hand, we want to we, we, we want to take from people, and therefore that's to set up a system that they're going to, they're going to take without being obligated to respond and return. And that's the way government works. That they have that they, they make demands which the people have to fulfil, but that doesn't obligate them to give anything in return for that. And therefore, says the Maral, explaining the Mishnah, don't have connections with the government. It's a relationship which is autom- by definition is going to work against you. Because the interest of the government is only in order to get what it needs, and by definition not to reciprocate, not to give back. Otherwise you'll just be equals. And therefore there's nothing to be gained by being part of such a relationship, and therefore the answer don't do it. And the reason why the, it's, it's, it's like a, a something which would mislead people, it really is something which people could, be, could fall for, is because since the government has power, People think that by giving the government what they want, or by trying to befriend them, so then I'm going to get the benefit of the power that they have. And I understand that there's a definition for respect, because the government would only use its power to help somebody if they felt that they had to. And the person thinks, well, I'm giving them so much, then that, that obligates them to do for me, and it doesn't. Because by definition, the way government takes is by, by virtue of the fact that I'm going to take, without wanting to feel that I have to owe something in return. Okay, so that's the way the Baral explains the mission. I have some melacha, which means that I things I can do for myself in a situation where I don't need to rely on other people. Snoisara bonus, which is a situation which makes me rely on other people. And I'll just the Roshas because when it comes to the Roshas, not just that they're going to rely on other people, but it's, in this, it's an understanding that we're going to take from you and we don't expect we don't expect to have to give to any, anything back to you in return. There's another point that Maral is going to explain to us also. Besides for, therefore, the benefit of Havis the Melacha, 
and on the, on the other side, why well, first we should snow sarabonus? That's the, maybe we'll call it the Ben Amla Haveri issue. There's an issue of the person himself. If let me introduce the idea. When we find something in the Torah which is called the life, so what gets the name of being alive? So you might have something which breathes, which moves, which acts, which eats, whatever you're going to give us a definition for life. But I'll give you examples of things in the Torah which are called alive and don't have any of this. For example, there's a concept of Mayim Chaim, living water. Now water is an inanimate object. What makes something living water? Mayim Chaim. And sometimes this makes a difference for Paradoma, for a certain kind of Tzmei. They need to purify themselves specifically in Mayim Chaim. What's specific, what's unique, what makes something Mayim Chaim? And the answer is, the side of Mayim, which is collected in a reservoir, in a pool, even in a lake or a dam, it's not alive. Mayim Chaim is that the source of the water is here. A living a spring, which has its own source, and from the, that's what, so to speak, where it continually gives forth water. So that water is considered alive. It's considered alive because it's connected to a source. And as long as the water which flows is still connected to that source, it has the status of Mayim Chaim. And you can use a river like that, or a spring like that, for those things which need Mayim Chaim. Whereas, when the water is no longer connected to its source, then the water becomes no, no, no longer Mayim Chaim. It's no longer called living water. That applies to a person too. There's a concept of a person who's more alive. Or a person who's less alive. And what's the question of Chaim by a person? This is an interesting point. The more a person, so to speak, is connected to a source of life, he's more high. The more a person has something but is detached, distanced from the source, he's less high. We talk about one of the names of Hashem, which is Kel Chai. He's the God of life, or the living God. But the aside of that is because life begins with Hashem. He's the source of life. People, in that sense, aren't the source of life, they're recipients of life. And therefore, we can't talk about a person who's high in the same context we talk about Hashem who's high. But even within the category of people, there's a difference. Even within the category of people, there's more of a connection to life and less of a connection to life. And what does that depend on? When a person, so to speak, what he has is more from himself. Something he gets on his own, or something which he deserves. So then it becomes more of a source of Chaim for him. We'll talk about this more the next year. We'll see how to analyze this point in more detail. Whereas when a person is more reliant on other people, he has less of a connection to life. Because he has less of a source which can generate what he needs for himself. And yes, there are others more.
And therefore we see that in the Pasuk, Your life will be hanging in front of you. As this meaning to say that a person is less connected to life. The Gemara says that somebody who has to rely on other people to give them their Parnasa. He doesn't have it within himself, he's reliant on others. And therefore the, the Maila of a person who is able to suffice for themselves, they're more connected to Chaim. They're more connected to life. A person who has less ability to generate what he needs on his own, he has to allow others to give it to him. So in, in that sense, he's more distant from life. And we find a well-known example of this. The Gemara which says, or I mean the Pasuk which says, Soine Matanis Yichya. A person who hates gifts is more alive. Now, a gift is something which I don't deserve. It's something which is given to me. If I deserve it, and if I'm being paid for a service, or I'm being, I'm giving money in return for something which is being bought from me, that's mine. I don't look at it as something which was undeserved. And if a person is getting something as a gift, and the nature of a gift is it wasn't in response to what I did, it's given to me for nothing. And while people might think that, well, what I'm getting for, as a gift, as for free, as a handout, is, is increasing something of mine, the truth is the opposite is true. It means I have less of a shorish to get on my own, I'm more reliant on other people to give me. That's less chayim. And therefore, so they madness, someone who hates to take gifts, he's more connected to life. Because what he has is more something which came from his own merit or something which he deserved as opposed to something which is the result of what wasn't deserved. It was just given. And that's the same thing. The Gemara says that Rabbanus is Makaberis is Ba'alev. Authority buries the people who have it. And this understanding is the same idea. When authority demands that people give it, it means that it really detaches itself from a source of what it has on its own. It doesn't have its own chayis. And that's the difference between uh, the one who has and gives and the one who is the opposite is uses authority to try and to take. The one is Be'atim Chai and the one is Mes. The one is alive, it has the ability to give and the other one which can only receive and is set up to take but that, not because it's giving something, not because it's uh, in return for something it's deserved, it's just as a result of the authority that it exerts and forces people to give it it's more, it's, it's more distant from Chayim. It's more detached from the source of life. You're going to see, Vashem, next time, when the Maral is going to explain the name of Chazal, that a person who's Nenem Yegi Akapov, he, he begs benefit from what he, he's worked on himself, he's achieved on his own, is Ashrecha Bo'ela Mazeh V'Tavlech Bo'ela Mabah. There's a certain level of Ashrecha. There's a benefit in this world in that, and that is, there's more of a connection to life. There's more of something which is preserved, which has its own source. Whereas the person who is more reliant on others to give, something which isn't deserved, so that person is less connected to life. That person is uh, is together of uh, the Rabbanus, which is something which Be'etzim Talatmo is dead. It doesn't have on its own. And therefore someone who is a Hevesamalach, who is not a Rabbanus, who doesn't want to be given what what he doesn't come from himself. And we find the word Tanoim like that. Tanoim who prided themselves, they never took from other people a gift. They never took something which, so to speak, wasn't their own.
And that way there's There's more of a connection to life because it's more what a person has is really something which they have the source for. They have the connection to it to, to, to be able to deserve it. Nothing which is just being given and therefore there's a detachment from its source. What we're going to see next time, and this is a much deeper point, is in our relationship with Hashem also. There's a difference between a person who takes as gifts and therefore there's a detachment from the person who doesn't deserve it, who's relying on being given gifts, to the person who deserves what he gets. And if that's the case, then he has a cherish, a connection to why he deserves it, why, why it's coming to him. And therefore, what he's given isn't something which is separate from its source, it's something which really he has a connection to. He's yichy, he's alive, because he has the source for what he's getting as well, and that will generate its continuation. Life isn't something which is a once-off thing, as we know. Life is something which has to be given constantly. If a person has a connection to the shorish, to the source, which is going to keep giving that life, he's alive. Just like the river, which is a connection to the spring from where the water is coming, and will continue to flow. Whereas if it's relying on something which isn't, doesn't have that constancy and the continuation, even if it was given a lot once, but it doesn't have the guarantee of the continuation, then it's like life which a person once had. If there isn't that source which is going to con- force it to continue, so then we don't call that a, f- a force of life, which is a constant force of recreation, of continuation.